you're listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the TurfNet zone. Here's your host, Randy Wilson. Hello and welcome to Rock Bottom Country Club Radio. Today we will be discussing discipline for bad members, global cooling, UFOs on golf courses, golf business economic projections, and if we have enough time after all that, we'll have story time. Okay, now, before we get started, I have to read the club bulletin here at the bottom. We will be airifying the third week of April in order to maximize complaints from those just back from the Holy Pilgrimage. This year, we will discontinue posting stint meter readings because, well, we've been lying about it all this time, and we don't even have a stint meter. Uh, let's see here. Mama witnessed longtime member Norbert Tookus driving his personal cart over the new sod collars on 13. He denied it, but he was dragging rope stakes and cart path only signs for three holes. That seemed suspicious to Mama. Norbert is currently in the hospital recovering from cranial reconstruction. Doctors are mystified as to what happened, but they are confident they can restore his frying pan-shaped skull back to normal. There will be a sale in the pro shop starting Monday. Squirrel calls and skeet shells are 50% off. Bubby Joe Fester passed away. You might remember Bubby Joe as the one who originally instituted the practice of mounting brass memorial plaques on trees while bagpipes played. His ashes were spread on number 12 green without permission. Later we vacuumed Bubby up and flushed him in the restroom at the downtown bus station while we played... I'm all right, don't nobody worry about me, on kazoos. Joey Pudolini was turned in for playing on Frosted Greens by Delilah, his wife of 42 years. Under interrogation in the pump house, Joey also confessed to impersonating a turf expert on golf forums, writing articles claiming that bent grass is superior to ultradorf, and telling members that frost damage was a myth. Joey was later found sitting on a fire ant mound covered in sargum. The bunker removal project continues, and we expect to have fewer than 25 bunkers left by Labor Day. We expect to gain 77 new fairway mounds, unless Norbert survives, and then it'll just be 76. Marcella Breezeway's application for membership was rejected, as she was discovered to be a Democrat. Wilton Merbert was turned down for being a Republican, and Torson Hugwump was excommunicated from the club for lying on his application. An investigation later revealed that Torson was actually a former Alphabet employee during the dark years when they let the ball, the club heads, and the shafts go all Mad Max. Torson later escaped while Mama was heating up the sargum. In club championship news... Hey, you got an aluminum foil in the kitchen? I think so. Why? Oh, another one of them pesky UFOs is out there hovering over 7 Fairway. I can't stand another abduction. I wonder why they come all the way from Alpha Centaurus or wherever. You reckon they just like to watch golf? How many times I gotta say it? They ain't from another galaxy. Warp drives and wormholes don't exist except on TV. UFOs are from Earth. Where on Earth? Berkeley? Ponte Vedra? No, you ignoramus. They are us, only from the future. See, 
They're already here, but they're cloaked invisible to avoid causing an anomaly, you know, a rip in the space-time continuum. Like when that alphabet said one course a day. Then why don't they look like us? Because they is us after we evolve. See, somewhere in the future we all become vegans. That's how they got green skin and head shaped like eggplants. Well, what do they want? Why do they keep showing up over golf courses? Well, because... Say, weren't you supposed to mention our sponsor? Oh, yeah. Let's hear from Mama and Lurleen about Vinyl Guard. Hey, Lurleen. You playing 9 or 18 today? No, I just want to hit a bucket of balls. Oh, and I just love how colorful the driving range is. Yep, I had Buddy Vinyl Guard all the range furniture. The targets, the barrels, the bench, even the bag stand. We're testing Vinyl Guard on my fishing pole, too. Everything's just so bright and cheery. The best part is we don't have to constantly paint and replace things anymore. We put pink Vinyl Guard on a set of flag sticks and put them out on Ladies' Day. You know, it used to be a problem to carry around flag sticks in the year. It scuffed up the poles and made them look awful. Remember to vinyl guard all of your weather-exposed golf equipment and keep things looking sharp. So, how's that computer dating service working for you? It's awful. They keep sending me on dates with skinny women. Why does Hollywood and Madison Avenue keep pushing these bony women on us men? Last woman they fixed me up with was so bony that I cut my hand on her shoulder blades. Hmm. Buddy said you had a different date every night. I just figured it was going pretty good for you. What well, is? I meet lots of women now. Are you doing the singles bar thing? No, I just rolled through the parking lot of that outlet mall over there. You know, the far end where all them stores, uh, the big and hefty women's fashions and uh, Husky Girl. I play this CD really loud. And Let me see that. Greatest ice cream truck songs. That's how Uncle Dope met Aunt Melina. Except he had an actual ice cream truck. Uh-huh. So, when we went to break, you were speculating as to why UFOs favor golf courses. You know as well as I do, they like to beam up night watermen, take them for a spin around the galaxy, and scare the willies out of them. It's their entertainment. Probably the top-rated reality show in the future. Speaking of entertainment, did you send out the invitations to the Mystic Order of Greenkeepers Great Gopher Tournament? Yeah, I did. Already heard from Nets. He can't come because his passport was revoked. You know, California and all. Crowther declined, said something about ferries. Don't judge. No, a ferry boat. Man lives on an island. I swear, you truly some kind of stupid. What about Paul McCormack? Oh, he sent a text, but it's written in Nova Scotian. Let me see that. No, that's Zen. He's just politely telling us to drop dead. Uh, Dave Wilbur said no, because he's out on the road with his new band, the Turf Primates. And Frank Rossi called, but he talked so fast that my phone caught fire, so I don't know what he was saying. And Kevin Ross is touring the continent in a luxury RV, so he, he might show up. Kiger said he'd play, but he wants an appearance fee. And Reitman won't answer the phone, as usual. And, uh... Hector said he's through with traveling until he perfects his teleportation device. Oh, and Peter said he'd come if he can play guitar with the Verticutters. We probably need to tell Peter the Verticutters are broke up until Dr. Nilknarf comes back from London. Uh, any word from Eleanor? No, I didn't send her a notice, especially after her and Mama forced us to use table manners at the last GIS. I've never been so humiliated. I don't know. I kind of like using silverware now that I'm used to it. 
Also, I got Fred Garrish on the phone, but when he realized it was me, he pretended to be voicemail and hung up on me. Joe Fern said hanging with us might damage his rep, and Matt Leverage said he won't visit any place without internet service. We got dial-up. And Mark Hoban called to say he can be here after his hot yoga organic peppermint bath webinar. I swear, if he comes in here wearing those stretchy pants one more time... Hey, R.W., you see this email? Somebody named Bert in the Hamptons. Where's the Hamptons? It's that subdivision over there across the border in North Carolina. A fella named Wade owns it, I think. What does he want? He's complaining about getting rejected in the dog calendar and says he's going to start his own calendar. Hmm. Getting crowded out there. Maybe Dave Wilbur was right. We need to switch to a cat calendar. Of course, everybody will follow us there, too. Brian Nett's had a brilliant idea. He suggested a goat calendar. You know, they work in golf, too. Hey, it's our congressman, Bobby Tom Mooner. You already played the front side, Bobby Tom? I did. Shot an even par 45. Uh, congressman par out there is 30. That's some good golf, Your Honor. Yes, but it's so cold, my feet are frozen. Thought I had a rock rattling around in my golf shoe, but it turned out to be my big toe. Say, weren't you one of them pushing hard to carbon taxes to cool things down? Yeah, how does that work, Bobby Tom? Seems to me with all them scientists working for the government, you could have one or two of them do a little research on recurring solar minimum patterns. Shut up, Bluedale. Another thing, Congressman. I teach economic theory over at Rock Bottom Prep, and I think If y'all don't mind, I'm just going to grab a hot dog and finish my round. Wait a minute. Stock market's at 25000 for no reason. Dadburn Casino, that's what it is. Price-to-earnings ratio's crazy. What are you going to do about it, Congressman? I intend to eat this hot dog and call my security detail. Hey, come back here. Well, just answer this. Who's in charge up there? I don't know, ain't you? Well, I swear, don't that beat all. Hey, Cletus, how's the marshalling going today? A little cold with a lot of play out there. I think folks are finally getting used to them flying saucers. Ludell, you need to stop harassing the congressman about the economy every time he comes in. Oh, they need harassing. Ain't none of them politicians ever had a real job. They just know how to spend other folks' money. Hey, remember back in 98 when you was warning folks about a downturn right in the middle of a boom? Yep, it was right in the beginning of the subprime housing surge. And there I was designing Rock Bottom Country Club specifically to survive a depression. My broker laughed at me and started calling me Chicken Little. Hey, whatever happened to him? He moved to South America. He was kind of in a hurry, as I remember. Last thing he said to me was, folks don't want to hear bubbles popping. Oh, that's called normalcy bias. Norman device. I watch it show. No, normalcy bias. It's when someone faced with imminent danger refuses to believe it because they just can't imagine anything different happening and they fail to take evasive action. You mean like when the group behind you yells four and you just stand there? Yeah, pretty much. Anyway, everything goes in cycles. The orbit of planets, college football, the economy, the weather. Here we go. Well, one of you fellers help me get my dog in the truck. Luther froze solid out there on 14. I'm kind of tired of dragging him. Hey, I help you. Maybe him flying saucers is gone now. Let me borrow powder. Y'all really need to hear me out this time. I'm going to edit this out. Uh, never mind. I'll just bring him in here and thaw him outside the stove.
I'm just saying what folks are thinking, but they're too afraid to say out loud because of the persecution. It's like 1989, only in reverse. I distinctly remember you being one of the first ones to holler we was getting hotter and drier, and folks said you'd flipped out. Well, it was getting hotter. In 83, me and Norm played golf 10 days in a row at Fort Bragg with highs at 110 degrees. Then there was the great Georgia drought from 86 through 88. Three years of no rain. Yeah, and what'd you call that, the great bent grass inferno? You was all worked up about moving to the Yukon because it was getting so hot. Stop. I forbid you to say another word. You hear that, Ludell? He forbids you. See, after 98, weather started the other way, but by then the money changers had concocted them a plan to carbon taxes and make about 15, 20 trillion for a product that don't even exist. Ludell, remember what great-grandpa Yeager used to say? The truth is usually somewhere in the middle. Everybody has an angle. The left, the right, I can't and believe the, it. They got to you too? How much did just they... Just face it. Anthropogenic global warming is something we must all... Hey, that reminds me. How about you and Cletus go cover up the greens? It's going down in single digits again tonight. Okay, it's story time. Way back in the summer of 83, Dad came up to visit at Fort Bragg, where I was stationed. Now, for those of you without military experience, Army bases were strategically placed, provided they met strict criteria. First, it had to be hot in the summer. Africa hot. Big, blood-sucking insects was always a positive point, too, especially if the whole place sat on sand. Fort Bragg was, at that time, an excellent example of hot, buggy, and sandy. Here's another fact you might not know. Although it appears as if the government was honoring Confederate General Braxton Bragg by naming a major base after him, it was really just poking Southerners, because old Braxton was by far the worst general in the entire Confederate establishment. I suspect he's the main reason the South just gave up and went home. Anyway, Fort Bragg was hot in 83 when Dad showed up. He was there to put the finishing touches on his game before he played the senior tour for a few weeks, beginning in Charlotte. I took time off to help Dad get ready, and we played every day for ten days, mostly at Cypress Lakes, which was L.B. Floyd's golf course. I had a great deal of respect for L.B. as he had built an excellent example of an affordable, fun golf course, and he even had bent grass greens. I never saw anybody with a hose. He just had these little timers mounted on the pine trees close to the green, and the wilt watcher would wander around firing them up from time to time. I was mystified, but it worked. I never saw one square inch of dead bent for the three years I played there. L.B. explained his architectural theory to me, and he also explained his swing theory to me. No matter how much Dad disagreed with L.B.'s concepts, uh, I was convinced. After all, his kids, Raymond and Marlene, were pretty good players. So, the first day of practice, we hit balls for an hour and then played 18, walking. When we approached the clubhouse, the thermometer, in the shade, read 110 degrees. I was destroyed, but Dad could really shine in hot weather, so he suggested another nine holes, and I refused to release my grip on the air conditioner vent in the pro shop, and I just growled at him. Dad went out and hit another bucket. This went on for ten straight days, the high at 110 every day. I'm not kidding. I had to tote a fairly large jug of iced tea that Clarion prepared for me every morning, and 
had to refill it at one of the artesian wells just to finish 18. I drank so much fluid that I sloshed around like a half-empty spray tank riding over speed bumps. My skin sizzled, and I wore so much suntan oil that insects attempting to bite me were trapped like Br'er Rabbit. They stuck to me, giving me enough time to kill them with a slow swat. Everything slowed down. Dad was having a wonderful time telling jokes to the other golfers like, Hey, I just saw a dog chasing a rabbit, and they were both walking. Meanwhile, I was melting. I couldn't eat. I was losing more weight than I did in pre-phase of SF training. I was also delusional. I was convinced that the world was getting hotter and that by the end of August would probably catch fire. When I voiced my opinion, LB said, No, this isn't hot. Now, 1937 was hot. Much hotter than this. Now, quit hunching down over the ball and stand up straight. When I asked LB how he was keeping the bent grass alive in this heat, he said, Well, we only have to make it to late August. I was too miserable to get him to elaborate on that, so I went to the car, got rid of all but six clubs, and followed Dad out to get in the second 18. The rounds were pretty fast since we were almost alone on the course, but the hallucinations began to get to me. I saw mirages. The heat baking up from the fairways made it hard to judge distances, and the air rippled and shimmied. At this point, I had not yet learned that golfers did not need spikes on their feet, so I still rattled when I walked across asphalt. But not during that ten-day period. The asphalt paths were melting. They were so soft that the spikes just sucked down into the dark, oily tar and took hold. On day 11, I told Dad, no more. You're on your own. I gleefully went back to work in my dark, cold TV studio at the Special Warfare Center and left Dad to roast out in the Sahara Desert of North Carolina. After that overexposure, I postulated that Earth was heating up. But that's when I learned something very important. People who work inside won't listen to those who work outside. They trust the data and the stats provided to them by others and form their opinions based on expert analysis usually experts who are writing the stuff from a controlled environment. I made a vow to move someplace cold when I got out of the Army. I researched the Yukon, but really didn't see any golf courses there. There was no internet yet, so research was kind of slow. Sixteen years later, the same people who had ridiculed me for claiming the earth was about to boil over had now gotten on board and were willing to agree with me. Except by then, I sensed that it was going back the other way and... I made the mistake of saying it. Oh, well, as they used to say, the flak is heaviest when you're over the target. Oh, and in case you're wondering how Dad did on the senior tour, or the closed exhibition tour, as we later referred to it, Dad failed to qualify. The temperature had dropped down into the low 80s, and Dad was so cold he stiffened up and his swing went all sideways. You've been listening to Rock Bottom Radio, broadcasting from deep in the turf net zone. Subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for future episodes. 